Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs. I've been in business since 1994. I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. Look, here's the bottom line. The real estate market has changed. A few years ago, anybody could sell a house. And trust me, I know that because I had anybody. And let me tell you, there was mistakes, there was errors. I regretted ever choosing this person. And if I would have known Jonathan back then, I would have been in better shape with this deal. You need somebody who's really going to help you with this market. I mean, houses are just not selling themselves anymore. You need somebody who knows what they're doing. That's what Jonathan and Lynn are, true professionals, degrees in real estate, and uh, I completely put my trust in them. If you need any help, give them a shout at 386-451-2412. All right, so I had a question regarding heart rate zones. A lot of people now are using smartwatches. I mean, almost everybody has one. You know, I'm trying to think of the percentages that come to the gym that maybe don't use a smartwatch for their training, and maybe 10%, something like that. So they're pretty much used. And people that are doing a lot of cardio, like endurance athletes and runners, triathletes, cyclists, crew, rowing, all those folks are using some form of a smartwatch now. Uh, it's, it's come a long way. I mean, I can remember 20 years ago running and we had these big garments on our wrist. I mean, they were like, they looked like computers. I mean, they were big. They were very, very um, effective though. They were definitely effective. So I like that, but I like the fact that they're just as effective now, but they're a lot smaller and they're a watch. So you know, they're not just these uh, Garmin GPSs anymore. They're watches that do other things. But in any event, different types of people use them. Regular exercisers, avid exercisers, and endurance athletes. And oftentimes, I get the questions regarding the zones. Most of these companies use five zones. I haven't seen any more zones in other companies. I've seen Garmin's. I've seen Apple. And it's typically five zones. And they're slightly different. I have both a Garmin and I have an Apple Watch. And uh, I can tell you that their zones one through zones five are different from each other. Now, I'm an exercise physiologist. I've studied all that stuff. And I know that what they're trying to do is link it up to heart rate and base it off of your heart rate. That's what those zones are, of course. But why is there some discrepancy? Well, let me try to explain that. And more importantly, let me tell you how to use them more effectively. All right. So they're all using estimated maximum heart rate. So that is 220 minus your age or 210 minus half your age times 0 0.70. There's these different equations that they use. But the, that's an estimated maximum heart rate. It doesn't know for sure. It's based on your age and there's a 66% accuracy with that. So that's not perfect. That's not horrible, but
but that's not perfect. But let's say it has you off by 10 beats, one way or the other. And by the way, you're not more fit if your heart rate's lower maximum-wise or less fit if it's higher maximum-wise. None of that is true. Your maximum heart rate is pretty fixed for what you are, so it really doesn't mean a whole lot. But it can really make your zones inaccurate if it thinks like it thinks your maximum heart rate is such because of a certain age, but then it's actually 10 beats lower or higher, the zones it's giving you might be way off. So we have to pay attention to that. The, so the first thing is be aware that it's based on your estimated maximum heart rate. And as I said, there's a 66% accuracy rate with that. So 33% fail rate, and that is less than ideal. Another problem with estimated maximum heart rate is the zones could actually be off by 10 or 15 beats standard deviation. Either way, so standard deviation means one way or the other, 10 or 15 beats. That's quite a bit. So it's giving you numbers that are estimates at best. We need to really be aware of that. Now, why Apple and Garmin are coming up with different numbers, I can't answer that. They must be using different uh, percentages, um, but or maybe you're putting in different numbers for your birth date. I don't know. I know I didn't. They come out different. When I added up, they're close, but they're both trying to get you around, say, 60% for zone one, 70% for zone two, 80% for zone three, 90% for 95% and up for zone five. Apple's a little strange because it seems to lump together zone one and two, and it puts your lowest zone under 75%, at least it did with me. But that's really what those numbers are based on, because most research does support those percentages pretty accurately. In other words, 60% or so of your maximum heart rate is considered to be pretty light, 70% still light but getting more moderate, 80% moderate, 90% getting more vigorous or is vigorous and 95% getting close to maximum, all right? So, I mean, that's pretty straightforward as far as percentages go and that's probably where they're coming up with that. And again, it's only meant to be an estimate, but if you're comparing you to you all the time, it should be giving you some pretty valuable data. Now, let's make that data even more accurate, all right? There are so many things that get into your cardio zones besides your percentage of your maximum heart rate. There's what we call heart rate reserve, and that means the difference between your maximum heart rate and your resting heart rate times the percentages. So to make that more simpler, that what that means is that when you're in better shape, you tend to have a lower resting heart rate. If you have a lower resting heart rate, you had more in the reserve to get higher. So basically what that means is that if your heart rate is lower at rest than a person next to you at the same age and you're in better condition, then you're basically going to be okay with lower zones because it's got a little bit less to carry and come up. So there's that, 
And then there's also your anaerobic threshold needs to be taken into your zones, which these zones cannot take into because it does not know your anaerobic threshold. Now your anaerobic threshold is the point when you go from aerobic, which is using both fat and carbohydrates for fuel, and you're comfortable, you're very aerobic, hate to use its own word to describe itself, but you're comfortable, you can cruise, you can go pretty much all day as long as you're fed. When you cross over into anaerobic, that is your anaerobic threshold. Now you're only using carbohydrates for fuel and you have a limited stored amount of energy and you have a limited time that you can stay there. So what your body does is slow you down to get you back aerobic, all right? So there is no way, there is no way that your smartwatches can determine that. They haven't developed that yet. Typically you need a VO2 max metabolic cart, which I used to have and they have at certain locations. And it needs to figure out at what point does your body produce more carbon dioxide versus your amount of O2 coming in. And there, when there's more waste product carbon dioxide compared to O2 coming in, then it knows you've hit your anaerobic threshold and it's going to start to slow you down. So basically it would need to read your air gases to be able to determine that. That's one way. Another way would be your lactate threshold. Now lactate threshold and anaerobic threshold is essentially the exact same thing. It's the point when you go from aerobic to anaerobic and your body can now can no longer get rid of the waste products as quickly as it's bringing in O2. And in the case of lactate threshold, it can't get rid of the lactate quick enough to where it doesn't build up and accumulate. The only difference is, is where they measure that at. Anaerobic threshold is measured in your air gases, where lactate threshold is literally measured in your bloodstream, and it can measure the point of lactate in your bloodstream. And when your body has produced enough uh, millimoles of lactate, which is five millimoles of lactate, then you are hitting your lactate threshold. So essentially, it's in a different system, but it's the same thing. It means we went from aerobic to anaerobic. Now, that is another thing that these watches don't know, and they're critical. The reason is, is because, as I said earlier, your maximum heart rate doesn't change. It just goes down with age. You can't make it higher. It's just going to decline with age. That's why it's 220 minus your age to find the estimate. So it doesn't change. So your heart rate zones are what they are. If you're comparing them to you and you know that that's what they are, then yeah, they, they definitely have use to them. But the anaerobic threshold determines your level of being aerobic. So if you're in really great condition, you're a great endurance athlete, your anaerobic threshold might be as high as 90%. In fact, elite endurance athletes, it's even higher, like mid-90s. That means they can go all the way up, almost all the way to the maximum and still be aerobic. So for them, 85% of their maximum heart rate isn't going to be a zone four. It's gonna be more of a zone two because it's still very light compared to if they went higher. So anaerobic and lactate threshold is actually more valuable to determine how intense it really is. Now I understand that that's getting very technical. 
but I just want you to understand for the average exerciser, the elite exerciser, really for anybody, that these zones that your watches are giving you are only partially helpful because of these reasons. It doesn't know your anaerobic threshold. It doesn't know for sure if that's your maximum heart rate. Some of them, I believe, have a logarithms in there that will figure out the peak heart rate that it has seen on you and then recalculate your zones. I believe some of them do that. That's more valuable than just going by 220 minus your age. But still, it's just valuable enough. But here's how you can make it completely valuable to answer the person's question. The best way to make it as valuable as possible is to understand what it is trying to do. Hence, the method to the madness. Like, what's the madness behind these zones? Well, the madness is, is that these zones are, all have a purpose, all have a function behind them. So, zone one and two are considered light, easy, and recovery zones. What that means is, you're not, if, you're, if you've been exercising, say, longer than six months or so, you're not going to improve your fitness in these zones. You're going to get activity. They're great for warming up. You're going to burn some calories. Uh, they're great recovery zones, meaning active recovery zones. So I like to do these zones, zone one and two. And I'm, and I'm going to break them up for you better than I think that they do. But I'm just using them as an example. Days after hard days, because active rest has been shown to help you recover from hard workouts better than taking the day off. So, for example, if I do an intense aerobic workout on a Wednesday and I pushed up near maximum heart rate, you know, say getting around 90%, so I'm really pushing, then the next day I'm going to want to do more of an active recovery workout, and that's going to be like zone one or two. So it's not that they're ineffective. They're very effective. They're effective for helping you recover better than taking the day off, but they're not effective for building your cardio conditioning. Now the middle zone, say zone three, say, you know, two to three, depending on your watch and maybe even up into four, depending. Now that's a big aerobic zone. That's a, that's, you are building your fitness there as long as you go long enough, you're going to build your aerobic capacity. And when I say build, I don't mean burn calories. All of them are burning calories. The higher the zone, the more calories you're burning per minute. But what I mean is creating the adaptations to make you more aerobically fit. That's what I'm talking about. Too many people talk about cardio with weight loss. That's great, but the real point of cardio is to actually improve your cardiorespiratory system. You are going to do that in your middle zones, your zone three. You just have to go long enough. Now, your upper zones, four and five, well, they're your maximal zones. That's where you really build a lot of your cardiorespiratory conditioning. That's where you would race at if you do 5Ks or other kinds of events. But that's where you do intervals or hard paces. That happens in zone four and five. And you're going to build a lot of fitness there. You can't go as long. They're not intended to go as long, but you're going to build fitness. The thing is, you can't do that every day. I saw somebody in one of these groups I'm in, and it's like, these groups are funny, you know, like, never comment on these things because I would look like a total jerk if I did. But some lady was bragging about keeping her heart rate zone and using lower zones to get better than she was. And she was posting a zone four workout. And I'm thinking, that's not a low zone. That's still like really high. And it just made me realize so many people don't understand these zones. And she wasn't saying it like this is better than zone five. She was thinking like zone four is low. 
and zone five is high. And I'm like, they're both high. I mean, we should really more understand the method to the madness that like those are your hard zones. We really should be using all of these zones when we train. Zone four and five to go hard maybe a couple times a week. Zone three to go longer maybe once or twice a week. And the other two zones, three, four, somewhere around there, like a lot as recovery workouts as active rest workouts. So something to that, you know, maybe two, two and two, three, two and two, something like that. And the easier zone should always come after the hard days. I like to do a build like easy zone, moderate zone, hard jump zone, easy zone. That's what I like to do. Now, how do we really use this? Look, light, moderate, vigorous, hard is really a way to think about this. You know, yeah, these numbers are great, right? But again, they don't know the whole picture. So instead, you need to understand that, like, does it feel light? You know, when you look at the American College of Sports Medicine's target heart rate and stuff, and they've done a lot of work, they try to simplify it for everybody. They give you heart rate zones, but they're also trying to get you to understand that, like, there's light, moderate, vigorous, hard. So, like, light means it's easy. You're not getting a lot of aerobic benefits, but you're warming up. Does it feel light does it feel light like if i sit on the recumbent bike at the gym it's a great tool that i use for recovery workouts it feels light i'm spinning my legs i feel hardly any resistance on there my heart rate is low it feels light now moderate is going to feel like my heart rate's coming up a little bit for me that's going to be around 70 percent, maybe up to 80 percent, maybe up to 130 for me heart rate wise i got a good sweat going I can still talk, but it's enough to make me feel good. Like sometimes the light workouts don't really, uh, you know, change that mindset a whole lot. They can, don't get me wrong. But moderate is a little harder, but I can still talk. I can still control the pace. In other words, if I slow down just a little bit, my heart rate's really going to drop. So I'm really still in control. But again, I, I focus more on light, moderate, vigorous heart. Now, vigorous, now I'm starting to work a little bit. You know, maybe I'm going in and out of intervals a little bit. I'm pushing. I'm pushing to keep the tempo up. I'm working to keep the tempo up. I see my speed dropping and I push it a little bit. Like, that's vigorous. That's different than moderate. I can't really do vigorous all day. I can, I mean, you might think you can do vigorous all day, but you're going to start slowing down and we want to get in those vigorous workouts. You know, the American College of Sports Medicine talks about getting in a vigorous intensity for at least 20 to 40 minutes per week, you know, split up. And then hard is like a really hard effort that you can push for intervals. Again, vigorous and hard are close. The difference is hard is hard. Like you want to slow down. If you race 5Ks or triathlons, like pretty much the whole time is hard, vigorous to hard. Hard is you've kind of lost control over pace, meaning that you want to go faster, but you can't. Like vigorous is maybe you can keep putting the pedal to the metal and keep up the intensity. Hard says, uh, no, you can't. You start slowing down. If we think about using those four zones with our heart rates, I think we'll feel a lot better about things because it can change a little bit on the day. Today, I was doing more moderate on my Concept 2 bike I have at the gym. I really like that because it's got variable resistance, so I can really control the intensity. And I felt really comfortable, but my heart rate was a little higher at times than it would be for moderate, but I felt comfortable, so I got the idea. 
And it, it was just a really good intensity for me. So think light, moderate, vigorous, hard. All right. Speaking of hard, Zach Hawk, Jeff Hawk. They own Overhead Door of Daytona Beach, and they are hardworking folks that put the best garage door out there, the best customer service. I 100% get behind these guys. They are the best. They are our friends. They are great workers. They are the best garage doors. Give them a shout at overheaddoordaytona.com.